Hi there, listeners and friends. Uh, We're glad that you've joined us. Before we dive into this week's uh, podcast, I just wanted to take a moment and uh, and talk a little bit about just kind of where we are in our culture. Some things, obviously, you know, everything's changing right now. The spread of coronavirus is is changing everything. It's changing our daily lives. It's changing a lot of our uh, attitudes and thoughts. I mean, I know that fear is gripping a lot of people right now, and I just wanted to to encourage you and and remind you of uh, the faithfulness of God when we look back throughout history in all the various times and seasons where um, there have been catastrophic uh, natural disasters, plagues, all those kinds of things. Um, we see the church, we see followers of Jesus Christ uh, rise up with faith and hope to a world that is watching in fear. And so my prayer for each of us that uh, call Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior is that we would not cower. Uh, obviously, this doesn't mean that we are we break um, the law or that we are seeking to do things that would harm other people and their health and their safety. Um, but let's be a people who step into this opportunity to love our neighbor in a new way, uh, to be creative with how we communicate, but to bring uh, faith to the front. Uh, the way we combat fears with faith. Psalm 56.3 says, when I am afraid, I will trust in God. And so it doesn't. it's saying that we get afraid, we have fear, but our response is to trust in God. I did want to also uh, let you know that during this season, um, uh, we want to let you know as a ministry, we have lots of online resources that are available to you for men, women, families, to be able to continue to pursue integrity and wholeness and health um, relationally and and in terms of integrity. So you can go to uh, our our radio website or our main website. You can go to puresexradio.com or bebroken.com. And right there on the front, we've got a little uh, button that says online resources. If you click on that, it brings up a a one-page document that shows you all of the online resources. It's kind of really neatly um, organized there so that you can have a quick reference sheet for being able to get to all the online resources that we have. And also just to let you know, all of our Pure Life Academy online courses through the month of April to the end of April are all at 50% off. So this is a great time for you to be able to enroll in those courses. Uh, When you enroll in a course, you have lifetime access to that course. You only have to enroll in a course once, and you will have lifetime access to that course. You can go back through it again and again. A lot of our courses are structured in such a way that you can get something out of it each time you go through it in terms of going at a deeper level. Finally, I want you to know about a prayer challenge that we're going to be doing uh, for the basically through the month of April. Uh, Starting on March 31st, every week on Tuesdays at 12 noon Central Time, I'm going to be leading a little prayer uh, video conference, just 30 minutes. Um, I'm going to be using uh, this little book as a guide, Pocket Prayers, by Max Lucado. It's it's prayers for peace and rest. And I think this is just such a, a season in which our souls, our minds, our hearts, our bodies need peace and rest. And so I'm going to be using this kind of as a guide. Anybody who wants to join those uh, prayer meetings can. You, you won't be required to pray if you're, if you're part of the meeting. But it's just a time where we can pause, where we can pray, 
and where we can see God move in our hearts and our minds. Um, also, uh, for any donation of any amount, we will send you this book, either in print or digitally, if you wanted to also be going through this book and, and using it as a guide. Uh, we love you. We're grateful for you as our listeners and our friends. Um, please let us know how we can be praying for you. We care for you, and uh, we want to see you thrive even in this season of social distancing and, uh, and all that's uncertain in our, in our times in our world. So please reach out to us, and uh, we will be happy to help uh, through prayer and any other means. Good day, listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're glad to have you with us. My name is Jonathan, and uh, we have with us our director of training and resident parenting expert, uh, John Fort, with us. So, John, how you doing? I'm doing well. Doing well. Yeah, yeah. You you know um, you you keep adopting these titles as you go along because I mean, at first we thought you know this this guy's going to be really good with a lot of our networking and a lot of our you know, online training needs, which you've done a phenomenal job with that. But then the reality is you, you kind of had this sort of uh, almost like kind of side gig of like, you're sort of being tapped as this father son expert. And then you've got all this background in education and just, um, and certainly a lot of experience yourself with the parenting issue around dealing with pornography and just what does it look like to raise kids in the culture that we're in. So now, um, especially since you've written the book, Honest Talk, I think there's a lot more people that are realizing um, there's things that they need to learn from you about how to, how to parent in the culture that we're in right now. Yeah. And, and I want to be clear. I never started off thinking this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> I don't think any of us do. I mean, in ministry, I don't think any of us start off. This is what I'm going to do, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. And I'm all, just so you guys know, I'm all, my kids are 21 and 24 now. And I'm constantly asking them, what did we do wrong? And what did we do right? You know, and just and, and talking about, because, you know, uh, I'm telling people um, the benefit of the mistakes we made and what not to do. What to do. So <laughs> Exactly. And I feel like that's, that's one of the benefits of, of me telling my story is I try to say to guys all the time, I'm trying to tell you my story so that you don't make all the same mistakes that I did. So maybe we can try to mitigate some disaster here. But hey, John, yeah. so we've been talking, uh, we, uh, the last couple of times that we've had you on, we've kind of been taking parents through dealing with things like the fears that parents have. And I'm really excited about this particular uh, program because I think what a lot of parents want to know is like, what actually works in terms of talking to your kids about sex, right? I think a lot of parents, if they've even tried have probably more experience with what they deem to be failure than success. So why don't you help our, our listeners kind of know what are we going to try to unpack in this particular session? Well, the first thing is, is a lot of what I'm sharing today is not just my opinion. This comes from research into preventing problematic behavior in children. Um, and so th there's a lot, you may, some of you remember way back in the, don't do drugs and all kinds of stuff that they tried and actually may increase drug use in kids. And they would have things like in high schools, they'd have someone who was an, had been an alcoholic come in and talk about not drinking. And then right after that, the alcohol use went up. And so we've learned a lot of what doesn't work. So I want to first start off with what doesn't work. We've just not spend a lot of time on that. Um, 
But sometimes our automatic go-to response, our gut response, is something that really doesn't work at all. So first is education alone doesn't do this. Just mm. teaching your kids what you want them to know about sex and how to act. It's not that you don't do that, but that is not enough. That doesn't change any behavior at all. Um, scare tactics don't work either. The way kids think, and, 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 along with um, talking about potential future damage, if you do this, this might happen to you. Kids, their brains are not wired right to deal with that kind of information for that to really make that much difference. Yeah, because I think about it when, even when, just, when I was a teenager, I would not say that, or even preteen or whatever, I would not say that my my thought process went beyond at most like an hour ahead of me. (laughs) I wasn't able to kind of think in these terms of like long term and seeing all these things connect together. And to be honest with you, I mean, I thought I was a pretty smart kid, but I don't think smarts has anything to do with what you're talking about here. It's a lot of it is just cognitive reasoning or just the ability to be able to project long term and are you saying that that's a, that's a difficult thing sometimes for children to navigate yeah. in their yeah, Because kids minds? think, well, for example, you said you were, you were a smart kid. And kids think it's like, well, for most people, it's going to cause that. But I'm smarter than that. That's not going to happen to me. This right, is the right. Thing that, that goes into it. Um, and they, they simply can't think that far ahead. The part of the brain that does think far ahead is not fully developed until the mid-20s. So literally, biologically, they are not able to think ahead very well yeah not it's not a matter of good kids and bad kids all kids can't do this no kids can do this so and i think it's really important to pause on that point for a second because i think that also then connects with what you said earlier about how education and information alone doesn't mean that your child is not going to face some of these dangers or get involved in certain things because if i'm understanding you correctly there's this uh, not fully developed part of a child's brain that has to do with long-term planning or just being long-term projection type stuff. And then we have parents, well-meaning, loving parents that are just trying to give their kids all of the information that's necessary for them to know like what is sex and what is it for and, and how do we, and what are some of the dangers. And then we have the assumption because we feel like we delivered that information completely that now they're going to be able to project ahead and go, well, I can see how that'll affect me when I'm 16 or 20 or 25. And what you're saying is, no, they might not even track with you even during the conversation you're having and just giving them the information. Yeah. And like you said, it's not that we don't give them the information, but we need to realize that's elementary and it's going to take building blocks of continued dialogue, right? Yeah. Um, another, and, and before parents feel hopeless, we're going to get to some things real quick here that do work. So let's, let's not, I'm not asked, don't feel, feel hopeless. Another thing, and I really have a hard time with Christian parents on this, um, is that they fear that, this is one of the fears, that I'm going to ruin my kid's innocence if I tell them too much. Mm. But actually, one of the findings is not talking about sex at an early age causes all kinds of problems. And the reason is kids will turn to porn or their friends when their parents are silent. Let me give you an example. Very recent again, I was just at a missions conference, a very large missions conference. And one of the sessions I was doing, a guy came to, he was like 18 or 19 years old and he had finished school. He was in college or something, but he had grown up in homeschool, but you know, homeschool. And so I asked him, I said, Hey, 
So homeschool parents tell me all the time that they don't think their kid's old enough to learn about sex. And he laughed. He said, when I was 15, my dad had the talk with me. But I knew about everything he said way before that because my friends told me. Yeah. And he, yeah. And, he, and he said that really messed him up because what other kids or what pornography will tell you. And he had been involved in pornography long before 15, but his parents didn't know it. And so putting off these conversations does not protect them. It harms them. And we really have a hard time believing that, but it just, it's, it's just true. Yeah. And I think, I think one of the things that I like about uh, your book, Honest Talk, and then also just kind of the way that uh, even the online course, Parenting for Purity, is recognizing there are stages of development in a child's life. In other words, you're not going to communicate the same types of things to a five-year-old that you would a 15-year-old, but you better start when they're young having these conversations about sex and sexuality is that that's what you're saying right right is but in today's world by age nine or ten that's the age you have to talk with them and that seems like way too young now, now my son's 21 i wouldn't have done that we had to talk well no he was 10 or 11 when we talked to him about that kind of stuff so the thing is is that they're going to hear that. I don't care what you do with them. They're going to hear that. You want to be the first one to talk to them about sex, um, yeah. not the last one. So anyway, um, let's get, um, also what works with adults doesn't necessarily work with kids. So what you may be aware of helps an adult with their sexual purity. That doesn't necessarily help a kid. And second, the final, what works with one kid may not be what works with the other kid. And you, have you know what, kids, Jonathan, you know this very well. I was going to say, I mean, any parent who has more than one child realizes from birth, yeah. their personalities are different. It's not like they were trained into different personalities. I think they're born with different personalities. And I think, I think this is a really important point for parents because I think sometimes, again, if we have that just disseminate information mindset, then we say, okay, we just give the same information to all the kids. Now, I do believe that there are certain facts that are just facts across the board. But I think because every child is different, the way you're going to deliver those facts is different. For instance, there are certain things with one of my ch children that I can just go sort of right for the jugular. I mean, I can just, I can just lay it out there in totally unvarnished terms, and that child is not even going to blink. Right. If I were to do that with one of my other children, it would crush them and devastate them. You know what I mean? So yeah. a lot of times just delivery of the same information is really going to be yeah. different. Another example is with one of my kids, we had very regular, we literally had a time every week when we would meet and talk about these things. My other kid, that would not have been received well at all. And so it was much more kind of as you go, when the opportunity, when we're in the car, whatever, it was kind of, and so even, so, so it's what you say and how you say it, it's completely different with different kids, so. Yeah, that's good. So let's get into, um, we, we already talked about why, it's because kids are not equipped to make good decisions. Their brains are not developed enough to think the way adults do. And what kids need is they need to, this is the thing people understand, the number one thing is they need to bond with adults and institutions that have healthy beliefs and clear standards. Now, if they're bonding with an institution and they don't know what the beliefs are, that's not what I'm talking about. Or if they're bonded to their parents and they don't know what their parents think, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm also not talking about what we think of as a good relationship. 
A lot of times we think of a good relationship between a parent and child means they get along. We don't fight that much. We like the same things. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. That, that's true, but it has to be way deeper than that. The kind of relationship that is necessary to have high degree of sexual integrity is, first of all, the kids need to know their parent's story at the appropriate age, whatever. You know. So maybe at one time you talk about how you first saw pornography. And then maybe later on, if it's you talk about masturbation, you wouldn't talk about that earlier. But in other words, we have to talk about our story because that develops. A, if you can talk about those kinds of things, that is a different kind of bond. Um, let me give you another thing. We, Be Broken, did some research with a bunch of Christian teenagers last year. And what they told us was, one of the direct quotes from a, the, a several kids was, we want our parents to be more open with us. Mm. Um, they, that, I mean, open about personal things. We talk about our feelings and disappointments and also about sexuality. We, we can talk about that. Um, I mean, our, our own feelings, what we experienced at their age and how we felt about that. Um, being honest about feeling attracted to things that maybe can harm us. Like at some point in time, a teenager needs to know, look, when you get married, that does not mean you're never going to feel sexually attracted to any other person than your spouse. That's, right. that's not what that means. <laughs> and so having those kind of open conversations, the point builds, that builds a depth of relationship that is necessary to do this. Um, accepting our kids in, in spite of their failures. Um, they need to understand that this is not a performance. We're not grading them on performance where our relationship is not based on that. Um, it has to be safe to share ideas. Uh, another thing that came out in the teen survey was they were afraid to have conversations with their parents because they're afraid their parents would judge them for the thoughts going through their head or for the questions that they had. So they need yeah, to, like they'd be punished or they'd be in trouble if they shared some of those things. Is or that just right? like their parents would be mad. Yeah. You know, but it's like we need to get to the point where we can have conversations and they're going to test the waters to see how we react. So for example, we might sit down with a kid and say, what have you been hearing lately? What are your friends saying? And they're going to kind of few, say a few things and kind of watch us and say, well, are they, do you hear kids telling sexual jokes? And of course, most of the kids have, and, and they're going to like, well, can I tell you about that? So it's a, when I was a kid, my friends told me this. What do you, and then, so, so it's that kind of like, oh, oh, we can talk about this. And what we are finding over and over again is that the second the parent lets the kid know you can talk about this, it just, the walls come down and they just blurt it all out there because they're not afraid to talk if they know they're not going to get in trouble. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say, especially on that first point of they, they need to have uh, this bond mm -hmm. is that what I'm hearing is that that bond is built on a foundation of safety. Right. Right. Like they need to know that anything that they can bring up, whether it's a fear, whether it's a struggle, whether it's a failure, whether it's a question they've had raised by somebody else in their life, that they're totally safe to talk about that, right? Yes. And the tr we've talked about this before, but the training ground for that first is talking about our feelings. So for example, a lot of parents, this is a great idea, a lot of parents will take, maybe they have three kids. And... Um, maybe every week or every other week, they take one kid with just them and go out, like have a hamburger or something or a tofu burger, if you were my daughter. Um, but <laughs> the, the, uh, then in that, then talk about, Hey, how are things going? How have you been feeling? Talk about some feelings, share some of our feelings, just about stuff in general. That's the training ground. 
that's the beginning of that bond. So you don't have to start with sex. You can start with feelings, you see, and that personal attention. That kind of thing builds that, which what well, all the research shows, if that kind of relationship doesn't exist, nothing you do is going to make any difference in their sexual integrity. Wow. So um, th this it's a big deal. Um, you do have, so let's go on. And once you've built that relationship, you do have to talk about porn and you do have to talk about sex. Um, there is a correlation between lower use of pornography and increased discussion about sex and pornography. So as we have appropriate conversations about that lowers the, the chances of them using pornography. Well, you know what? And in our experience in ministry in this field, it's so obvious why that is the case, at least to me. Because when I think about the vast majority, especially when we talk about men, because most of who I'm dealing with directly are men who are struggling with pornography, other kind of sexual brokenness. The, the reason that they are continuing to go to the porn usually is a reason connected to why they initially first started going to porn is it was an escape. Mm -hmm. It was a way to mask or medicate feelings that they didn't know how to handle. It was a way because they did not have the legitimate deep needs of their heart and their soul being met in legitimate relational ways. So therefore what happens? Porn's a great substitute, right? I can go take these feelings over here. I don't have to, I don't, I can mask them. I can medicate. I can escape from the stuff that is scarier because nobody ever trained me to know how to actually talk about my feelings or connect with anybody. So what I'm hearing you saying is guess what? If in our relationship with our children, if we're building this healthy emotional connection with them, it lessens their need and even their desire for those things that try to substitute for those legitimate emotional needs. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Or is that? Yeah. 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 Um, then there does have to be clear expectations put in place. For example, to say, in this family, we don't look at porn. Now, the kid's going to probably do it anyway, but they need to understand that the expectation is that's not, I, I don't want you to do that. We can, this is when we explain why and some of the reasons, but the why is just there so they understand there is a reason behind it and they can ask questions, but say, my expectation for you is that you're not going to do this. Yeah. And then they have to, so there's some boundaries. They have to understand that. Not, not, not dictator, not, not mean, not whatever, but this is just the expectation. And then monitor what kids are doing. Now, I'm not just talking about pornography. Um, we're also talking about behavior. The kids are exposed to sexual information constantly. And so pornography is not the only thing. We're, we're also dealing about sexual behavior between kids. Okay, so what this means is because they're hearing all kinds of crazy stuff everywhere and they think everybody's doing all this stuff when they're not. And so one of the boundaries we tell parents is don't let your kids play behind closed doors, mm -hmm. even siblings. It's like if they're playing in your bedroom, fine, they'll leave the door open. And don't make a big deal about it. But if it's closed, you come by and open the door and say, remember, we keep the door open when we have friends in our, in our room and this kind of stuff. So th this is just common. These, this is what I'm talking about. Monitor what they're doing. Know whose house they're at, where they, where they, what they're doing, this kind of stuff. Um, then recognize good decisions when they make them. For example, if a kid comes home and you say, why are you coming home? Say, well, so-and-so started looking at porn. And that's a good decision. They walked out of, this, of it. You see what I'm saying? And so we can recognize that, hey, you did a good job. Think at least another example would be we try to teach kids once they're old enough to have a social a smartphone or something like that is you, you don't take that into your room or into the bathroom 
because that's where bad things happen. So when a kid comes and puts their phone on the table before they go to the bathroom, when they come out, say, hey, good job putting your phone on the table before you went to the bathroom. This kind of thing is you're recognizing the good decisions that they made. Um, even if a kid says, hey, I looked at porn, whether it was accidental or on purpose, the first thing we say is thank you for telling me. Yeah, yeah. Because telling me is a good thing. And so th this is the kind of thing. Now, there are consequences when they break the rules or do something. But we have to be careful that the consequences are to protect, not punishment. Now, a lot of parents have a hard time understanding this. Let me give you an example. Let's say that your family has planned a family outing on Saturday. Your whole family is going to go someplace fun on Saturday. And one of your children uh, is at, looks at pornography at a friend's house. Or maybe they look at it on their, somehow else, okay? Um, no, let's keep the, the story. They, they, they were at a friend's house and they looked at porn. And I don't know how you found out, but you found out. Um, so some parents, their response is, I'm going to punish you for that. And the biggest way to punish you is not let you come on the family outing this weekend. Okay. That's a really bad idea. Bad idea. Yeah. Because the family outing has nothing to do with them looking at porn. All right. In fact, as you just got done explaining, dealing with their emotions in a healthy way and building relationship is the opposite of porn. Yeah. They so need to go on that family they outing. They need to go on that family outing. Yeah. Okay. Now what you, a appropriate consequence was, until we know that that house is safe, you can't go there anymore. Mm. That's an appropriate consequence. It's yeah. not that it's like until we can figure out some way that that's not going to, you know, maybe your friend can come over here, but you know, I want to see where, you know, I, if they're having a phone, they're going to put it down, whatever, whatever consequences you want to have. So it's, you're protecting them, not punishing them. And that's a tough, some parents have a really hard time figuring out between the two, but any consequence to, to negative behavior, sexual or pornography or whatever, has to be protect them, not to punish them. Does that make sense? Am I yeah, and I think that's a I think that's a great question actually to pose to our to our listeners and our viewers. And maybe we get some feedback on social media about that, about, you know, what do consequences related to protecting your child look like? You know, because I think getting getting parents to think in that direction, you're right. It's sometimes so much easier to think about it's just more natural for us to think about punishment, right? Because, and, and yet I think in the back of our minds as parents, we still think we're protecting the child. Like, I just don't want them to ever do that again. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like the, um, it's kind of like the coach that shames the players through yelling at them just to get an immediate response without, and then there's, there's but there's long-term consequences to that mm -hmm. that aren't good for the team. I think the same way parents can do the same thing. Like I'm going to, I'm going to bring the ax down right now because I don't want this to ever happen again. But the problem is, is it's doing things that are cutting them off from the relationships that they need um, that are healthy. So I think, I think it's a good exercise for parents to think through when we are placing boundaries around our kids, what do protective consequences look like when they cross those boundaries? And yeah, it'd be a good idea on social media to have people give some feedback on that. But when you're in the moment, one thing to do is you don't have to give the consequence right then. Right. You, yeah. You, you can say. Yeah. Cause I, you're probably all over the that. map emotionally yourself at that point. Right. I mean, you're just kind of freaking out. 
you can say, let's talk about this. I'm, let's, I'm glad, let's talk openly about this. Then let, let's both sleep on it. And then tomorrow we'll talk about what consequences will be. It can be that kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and sometimes depending on the age of the child, I think it's good to even begin to invite them into what right. those consequences look like because yeah. it's helping them begin to have a, an understanding of the responsibility that they have for their own behaviors. And, and are they going to adopt these values that we're placing around them, which is saying, Hey, we value this kind of um, integrity in, in our family. And if they're beginning to adopt those values, they'll need to know how to place those boundaries around themselves as they get off in, um, into adulthood. Right. And the last thing I have is ongoing um, discussions. And what I mean by that is asking all the time, um, what have you been seeing and hearing lately? What are your friends saying? You know, uh, like I mentioned, what are the jokes that they're talking about? Are they joking about this? I remember one of my kids came home and just said, because we had started these conversations was just kind of processing out loud. Just like they had heard uh, two kids and um, one, this is a little bit, you know, we dated ourselves a little bit. They were using thumb drives to have data. So all the kids had thumb drives. And um, so one kid tossed a, a key ring of thumb drives to the other kids that, Oh, don't use that one. Cause that's got all my porn on it mm. in front of all the other kids. But like, and my, my child came home and was just, couldn't believe how openly the other kids were talking about this kind of thing. And so, but they, my kid brought this up. I didn't bring it up. So this is yeah. when we have ongoing discussions, they need to talk through what they're experiencing. So they know what to do with that information. Um, and then ask, what do you think about that? So, and when my kid said that, I said, well, what do you think about that? So instead of me going off and preaching on this teachable moment, let them do the preaching. What do you think about that? How do you feel about that? Um, and then always when we have those kind of discussions, do you have any questions for me? And maybe they don't right then, but then maybe tomorrow or a couple hours later, they say, hey, you know, I have a question. And then, so as you're saying that, John, there's a part of me inside that's going, oh my goodness, you know, it seems to me like, the appropriate thing from a parent that is going to be best for a child requires a lot of restraint, <laughs> a lot of wisdom, because I'm, I'm hearing, you know, because I think these are the types of situations that can happen in our kids' lives that almost, from a parent's perspective, almost feel like they require a reaction from us, like they require an immediate response from us. And what I'm hearing you say is actually what's best, what really works is a calmer approach, a wiser approach, a more restrained approach, more of a coaching re response. Like when you're talking about drawing out your child to say, what do you think about that? And what do you feel? To, not saying that you don't direct them, but you're not preaching at them. You're not trying to just shove that information into them and, and make sure it spits out this kid of integrity, right? Um, yeah, and so I think, what, so one thing I would ask you then on this is, I think a lot of parents, we parent in isolation. Mm -hmm. And I mean, meaning we've got mom and dad over here, but not that mom and dad isn't necessarily talking to a whole lot of other mom and dads. What have you seen of the value of parents connecting with each other on some of this? Yeah. Some of the most valuable tools for me when my kids were middle school, high school, was another man that had kids in middle school and high school. And we talked about this. Is that when we got to think about this, when kids are two or one, 
we joke about potty training and stuff. I mean, that's a common thing. But then when they get to be 12, we don't talk about this. Yeah. Why? There's no difference. Okay. And so we need to, you're exactly right. Parents talking to each other about what's going on in your Bible study class or whatever. We need to get over. That needs to be a normal thing. It already is normal to talk about potty training and things like that. We can talk about this in any setting. It's okay to talk about this. And then finally is adults talking about their own stuff. So as adults, as men and women, we have our own sexual struggles and, and temptations and all this kind of stuff. And I always had somebody that I would talk to about that. You know, not everybody. I mean, it takes a, a special kind of trust to do that. But people that I would talk to, and I don't mean in a support group setting. I mean, I, I go to a support group. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just I have certain friends that know my story and I know their story. And every once in a while, we talk about how things are going. And if, if that makes sense. And so doing yeah. that for ourselves gains a lot of insight how we can use with our kids. Now, I know I already said that what works with adults doesn't work with kids, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't give us ideas. Right. And it doesn't mean that there aren't principles that can transfer, right? Right. Um, so as we are running out of time here, um, where would you like to direct parents who just say, hey, I, I, would, I need more training on this. I need more help on this. What are some resources that I can go to to you know, grow in this area as a parent to be able to know how to engage my kids well. Yeah, probably the top resource would be the book Honest Talk, A New Perspective to Talking to Your Kids About Sex. That's on Amazon and on the Be Broken website under resources. Um, that's probably the best because it covers exactly this kind of conversation and has uh, uh, things for you to do. A another approach would be the course on peer community, or peer, I'm sorry, peerlifeacademy.org has a, a six-course parenting series. That's That's a little bit more expansive and that kind of thing. I mean, maybe that's not the place to start, but um, the, and then we do have webinars and things like that on the, on the parenting section of, or the family section and be broken. But the very, the best place to start with, I, I think would be the book. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And so parents, if you're out there and you're saying, okay, this is, this has hit a nerve. I realize that I've, I'm familiar with things that haven't worked. I'm feeling the, the, anxiety a little bit about, you know, what does work. And I feel like I'm really behind on that. Um, please reach out to us for help. We'd love to um, connect you to these resources. And then also just take a breath. I mean, no parent does this perfectly. Uh, we, we must rely on the grace and sovereignty of God in our kids' lives. And even as we parent them, um, but there are things that we can do at any stage with our parenting with our kids to be able to make improvements. And so we want to help you do that. But John, thanks for your work in this area. And thanks for uh, being on the program again today. No, well, thank you for having me. And listeners, we are glad you're with us. We look forward to seeing you back here again next time. And please uh, check us out on puresexradio.com or you can uh, join the conversation on Twitter at Pure Sex Radio. And we'll see you back here next time. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.